Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to an early morning edition of The Breakdown. Got a lot going on today, so had to get up early, uh, get all the work done, and wanted to get this out to you. We got a, you know, a decent little NBA slate today. Uh, honestly, not my favorite matchups that I've seen in recent history here, but you know, as always, we got to go through uh, go through the games and see what we can find. Part of this is, in a number of instances, we got to kind of see how rotations shake out and how players gel after trades happen. Um, that's going to be true in the first game we look at today. Yesterday was an example of that. Karis LeVert played his first game with Cleveland, and he came off the bench, didn't really play that great. Uh, that doesn't mean he's not going to be good. I'm just saying it's going to take a few games for us to figure out how they're going to really use him and which different matchups. And that's going to be true in some of these other games as well. So, you know, we'll do our best to break it down and see what spots we can find. As always, appreciate likes, retweets, uh, especially reviews on the podcast, anything like that. Very much appreciated. All right, let's jump in, find some spots today. First up, we got the Heat going to the Pelicans. Miami minus four and a half, 217 total. Uh, obviously, one of the big things here is CJ McCollum has joined the Pelicans. They got rid of Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Uh, and it looks like McCollum should play today. So first game in. So we'll, we'll look a little bit at how that could impact things. One of the first things that sticks out to me here is on two days of rest, Miami is 9-0 and against the spread this year, and they can't come in on two days of rest here, 6-3 and to the over in that situation. You know, obviously trends are what they are, but that's a pretty pretty damn strong one when it's 9-0, and so something to definitely consider here. This is the last game of a six-game road trip for Miami, and I, you know, Miami's not a team that traditionally I would say lets down in a spot like this, but it is just something I always like to watch right before a team's going to go home, sleep in their own beds again. You know, maybe maybe the motivation could drop a little bit for some teams, but I don't want to weigh too heavily on that. Tyler Hero should be back in this game. That's big for Miami offensively. They miss his production when he's not there. And so we, especially as we think about the over-under, I think without him, it would definitely be a look at the under. With him in, uh, that probably changes things a little bit. So C.J. McCollum in, obviously that's going to give the Pelicans another guy who can generate his own shot, uh, a good shooter. Brandon Ingram's been facilitating this offense really well, so it's going to be interesting to see how those two guys work together. And that could take a little bit of time to develop some chemistry. Also, McCollum's not likely to help the Pelicans on the defensive end of the floor. His defensive rating this season is 116.3. Obviously, he's been out a lot of the season, dealt with injuries and some different things. So, you know, we'll see where that trends. But I don't expect this to make New Orleans more of a defensive juggernaut. They are a team that plays slow, don't necessarily give up a ton of points all the time, uh, a little bit up and down in that regard. But just saying, I don't think McCollum's going to significantly change uh, who they are on defense, at least not in an extremely positive way. When we look at Miami, they score 37.5% of their points from three-point range. That's the fifth highest in the league of any team. Uh, in their last 15 games, New Orleans is allowing opponents to shoot 35.3% from three-point range, while Miami averages 382 on the road. So, you know, those percentages aren't way off. Uh, it does say that New Orleans is doing better defensively than where Miami's traditionally at offensively from three-point range. But again, with McCollum coming in, I don't think New Orleans is a team that is absolutely going to shut people down from three-point range. So I think that bodes okay for Miami today. New Orleans has been playing faster at home in their last 15 games. They only played a 94.44 pace on the road. 
but 99.92 at home. So again, that just increases the possessions each team has by a little bit, gives a little bit more of an opportunity on offense. Looking at uh, time frames here with uh, it's a one game sample uh, or sorry, in every time frame that has more than one game sample, what I'm getting at there is when I was looking at this, I think it's three or four days of rest. Miami just has one game and their offensive and defensive ratings were crazy, but obviously because it's a one game sample. So any time frame that has more than that one game sample, uh, Miami has their best offensive rating on two days of rest, part of probably why they're nine and zero against the spread, but um, 116.8 as an offensive rating with two days of rest, really solid. And they also have their best defensive rating at 102.6. Again, really solid. Uh, in the last 15 games on one day of rest, the Pelicans have their best, best offensive rating of any time frame at 111.5, so not quite as good, but still decent. And their best defensive rating, 107.9. Again, not as good as Miami, but pretty decent. Trends here, the Heat are 5-1 against the spread in the last six in New Orleans, and the under is 6-1 and one in the last seven between these two teams. So what it comes down, down to for me here, looking at all those numbers, looking at um, Miami when they play on two days of rest especially, McCollum coming in, needing to figure out how that's going to fit into the offense, not helping them a ton defensively. I like Miami here, minus 4.5, which I, I think it maybe opened to 3.5, wish I had gotten that. I didn't. Obviously would like it better there, but I still like it at four and a half and over under. I think I would just stay away from here as there's things that are kind of on both sides. All right, next game up, we've got the Nets going to the Wizards in the crappiest game of the day. Washington minus two and a half and a two eighteen and a half total. Harden will still be out here. Aldridge will be out. Kyrie's supposed to play. I mean, that's all you really get. Washington's been terrible lately. Brooklyn's been worse. I'm not actually going to spend a ton of time on this game because I think with all these guys out for Brooklyn, it's actually pretty hard to cap because we don't know how they're going to adjust. They were bad in their last game, but, and also with Kyrie, I mean, he's really the one star on the floor in this game. So if, if he knows like, Hey, it's all on me, he can go out and have himself a night. I mean, his, his player props will probably be pretty high, but I think it'll be something worth looking at. He's probably going to be scoring and facilitating. Uh, I don't think that means they win. <laughs> I'm just saying he's going to be doing that. You know, I, there's part of me that would want to lean toward the Washington side. There are times they've been competent this year without Bradley Beal, but lately that hasn't been so much the case. In addition, they're one and eight against the spread on two days of rest, which is what they come in with here. So that definitely pushes you further in the direction of direction of not wanting to put any money on Washington. Um, the Nets are five and 16 against the spread in the last 21 meetings in Washington. But again, that goes back so many years. How much stock do you really want to put in it? So I'm just going to kind of skip it and just say this game is hard to cap. It's a crappy game. Honestly, like if you were going to do anything here, maybe you look at player props for Kyrie or for Patty Mills or something, but uh, yuck. I, I just hate it. So that's that for that one. Somebody else can make a big video about that if you if you've got more information because I don't I don't want to get into that anymore. Next up, we have the Raptors at the Rockets. Toronto minus seven, two twenty six and a half total. The Raptors are just freaking red hot. I mean, granted, yesterday's game was against Oklahoma City, and I I will be upfront. I took Oklahoma City plus ten. I thought they were going to be able to slow Toronto down on defense a little bit more and just like even get a backdoor cover. I certainly didn't think they would win, but I thought they could keep it close enough. And they could not. 
uh, I was very wrong on that. Toronto absolutely crushed them beginning to end. Um, so yeah, can't, can't say enough good stuff about Toronto right now. They're playing really well on, on both sides, uh, at, at the moment. In addition, they come in here on a back-to-back and you could think of that as a negative, but for Toronto, it's not. They're eight and two against the spread on a back-to-back, which, which is best in the league. So if anything, it just throws more fuel on the fire to say this is another good spot for Toronto against a really bad Houston team that's been playing really bad recently. Um, This is Toronto's fourth back-to-back in their last 15 games, actually, so they've been playing a ton of back-to-backs. They have their best offensive rating at 116.9 during this time on back-to-backs. So again, just more data to back up. They're good on back-to-backs. Um, Toronto has shot 33.3% or better from three-point range in 11 straight games now, so just lighten it up from three. Houston does not necessarily defend the three incredibly well. They've allowed 33.3% or better in seven out of the last 10 and over 40% in four of the last 10. So if you like some shooters on the Raptors, you might want to look at uh, their three-point player props here. Again, that's not something I play a lot. I'm just trying to point out spots that I think potentially could be good given the matchup. But uh, in terms of these two teams playing each other today, definitely goes toward Toronto being able to score points as Houston will not likely do a whole lot to shut them down. Uh, Houston is dead last in defensive efficiency this year. (laughs) Again, not going to do a lot to shut them down. In terms of pace here, Toronto's been playing with a pace of 94.21 on the road in their last 15 games. Just super slow. Um, their offensive rating is nine points worse, but their defensive rating is six points better on the road. But again, like I said, they've still been playing really well and, um, they've been on a great run home or away, just trying to point out that the numbers on the road are not as good offensively as the numbers are at home. Uh, that could be mitigated some by the fact that they play the worst, at least one of the worst defenses in the league today. Houston. Oh yeah. And this is the other thing where I said Houston's been bad, but especially bad recently and especially bad at home recently. So in their last 15, their offensive rating at home is 106.1. Now I think people think of Houston as a team that's decent offensively because usually you get pretty high totals in their games. I mean, 226 and a half isn't really high given how Toronto has been playing, but it sort of assumes that Houston's still going to contribute. But a 106.1 offensive rating is not very good. Their defensive rating at home in the last 15, 121.6, just absolutely atrocious. It's 115.7 on the road. So Houston's just bad on both counts at home. One of the things I wanted to dive into here was the team totals. I mean, this is a widespread at seven. Uh, I like it, by the way. I think I already bet it. But, um, you know, if, if Toronto keeps playing well, they should be able to cover that. But diving in specifically to how these teams have been scoring lately, away from home, uh, Toronto Toronto has allowed not much. I'm going to bore the hell out of you if I read all these numbers going back. But just to say the vast majority in their last 15 games or so, 14 games since the beginning of January, they've allowed like 104 or less in most of their games. They have a 111 in there, another 111. So two at 111, the rest at 104 or less, numerous uh, four or five games at 100 points or under. So they are not allowing teams to score very much. And they've played actually some good offensive teams in that stretch. If you go back and look at their away games since the beginning of January. So it's not that they're just playing crap competition and holding them down. They're playing good teams. At home, Houston has scored okay in some games since the beginning of January. They do have a 123 in there. 
a 111, but then the rest are 110 or less. Uh, there's only one under 100. So, you know, they're scoring in like the low hundreds a lot. Just nothing to write home about. So Houston's team total today is at 109.5. Toronto's defense has held teams under that in nine of the last 11 away from home. Houston has scored uh, under that in five of the last nine. So if you put those percentages together, and I like this is not the most scientific way to figure out a team over under, but I think it gives us some idea. Between those two, 70% of the time, it's under that 109 and a half. So I think I just think Houston's totals get inflated because we think they're better on offense than they are. Uh, just my opinion. Now watch them go score 130 today. But uh, that's what the numbers say to me. On the other side, um, away, Toronto hasn't scored as well. They actually have uh, three games since the beginning of January under 100 points. They do have three at 116 or better. A number of others just in the, the 100 to 110 range. You know, so not phenomenal, decent. Um, but Houston has allowed just a crazy amount of points. They do have a 104 thrown in there, but most of these are over 120. Uh, even 134, 141, 130. They're just allowing tons of points. Toronto's team total is 117 and a half. So Houston isn't just allowing over that. They're allowing way over that a lot of the time. Now, Toronto has not hit the over 117 and a half in their last 11 games, over 11 where Houston has allowed that much seven out of the last nine. So they are most of the time. All that to say, I think the better play here is Houston under their team total, but I don't hate Toronto over theirs either. And I don't hate Toronto against the spread here. Um, the Raptors are one and four against the spread in their last five in Houston over four and one in the last five in Houston. So something to keep in mind, depending on which way you're leaning on these things. Next game up, we have the Clippers at the Mavs. Oh, I didn't even put the line in here. Let me look it up quick. Failure on my part on the uh, prep side today. All right. The Mavs are minus seven. And the total is two, is 215 and a half. So at least I got the total right. You know what? That's going to bug me. So I'm sorry if you're listening on the podcast. Just know I'm editing something right now. Uh, and it's super exciting. It probably makes you wish you were watching rather than listening. Just kidding. All right. There we go. We got this fixed now. Dallas minus seven, 215 and a half. Let's talk about this game a little bit. Obviously, the Clippers made the, the trade, got rid of some people, got some people, mostly Norman Powell. And they've actually been scoring relatively well lately, uh, especially away from home. Uh, if you look back at their last uh, eight or nine games here, they have two that were at 102, but all the rest 109 plus uh, with the highest they've scored being 116. So they're in that 109 to 116 range quite a bit, which is really solid. But on the other side, Dallas has been filthy on defense again. They had like this little blip at the end of January where they weren't playing very well defensively after being incredibly solid. And I think what they're doing now is just showing that probably who they are is a really good defensive team that'll have some letdowns here and there. They've allowed 105 points or less in five straight games and under 103 in, in under 100, sorry, in three of those five. So just awesome on defense again in these last five games, Dallas is scoring themselves has been pretty up and down. They have in those five, two at 103, one at 107, 116, 132. So, you know, a couple times, that one time especially, they blow it out with 132 points, but they also put up 103 twice. So their scoring isn't something I especially want to trust, especially with Hardaway out for the long run and Porzingis still not back. 
Bullock sometimes can hit those threes from outside. That helps run up the score a little bit, but I, I don't trust their scoring a lot. Um, let's see. Oh yeah. This is still on Dallas. Sorry about the pause there. Sometimes my notes are not great enough where I have to figure out what the hell I'm even saying, but in those last five games for Dallas, they've been especially strong in the second half. They've held opponents to 45 or less in four out of the five games in the second half. So that that's just a note to say, like, hopefully this is stuff you can pull from where if you're watching the game live and you see that it's it's relatively close or the Clippers scored well in the first half, might not be a bad spot to hit hit Dallas at halftime or hit the Clippers team total under at halftime if you have a book that'll do that because they have done well in the second half. Um, the Clippers only allow 31.8% of opponent points from three-point range, sixth best in the league, so they are keeping people off the three-point line some. But they allow 50.2% uh of a team's points in the paint, which is fourth worst in the league. The good news for them is Dallas only scores 42.5 points per game in the paint, which is fifth worst in the league. So one of the Clippers weaknesses is also one of Dallas's weaknesses. And I have to give it to Sam from the source podcast. He's the one who put me onto that stat in the first place about the Clippers. So it's something I always want to look into now, but this isn't a game where Dallas is likely to be able to exploit that particular weakness. Um, Dallas's last pace at home in their last 10 95.41 so pretty slow which is what we expect from dallas last 11 away the clippers 99.56 um so they're playing at a relatively fast pace but honestly dallas is better slow at slowing teams down than other teams are at speeding them up trends on this game the unders five and one in the last six meetings in dallas and the clippers are five and one against the spread in the last six in dallas so the Clippers have actually been playing okay lately. Um, you know, n- not phenomenal, but this seven is a is it, it's actually wider than what I would want to lay because I think this could be a really low scoring game again. If anything, here I would lean toward the the Clippers team total under. The Mavericks have been so good on defense, and the Clippers are not a juggernaut offense. Uh, the Mavs have faced better. So if anything, I like that potentially the under, but again, Dallas's scoring is so up and down that I don't want to have to trust that Dallas isn't going to score in this game. And then the spreads probably about where I would think it would be. So I don't really like either side of it. Bucks at the suns, Phoenix minus three and a half, two thirty-two and a half total. Two teams that are playing really well coming together right now. And these games can be hard to figure out sometimes because you have two teams that should be good who are both playing well overall. Milwaukee's now scored 130 points or more in three straight games. That's the first time they've done that all season. I mentioned it the last time they played that they hadn't scored 130 or more more than two times in a row, and now they're at three. So I guess we'll see if we can run it to four because because uh, this is their record regardless. They have shot 41.7% or better from three-point range in all three of those games, and their season average is 36.9. So, I mean, that's still pretty good, a 36.9 average, but they're shooting about 5% higher in the last three games. And and I always look for some negative regression coming at some point, especially against a team that could could guard the three-point line okay. Phoenix allows a three-point percentage of 34.3 at home this season, so lower than Milwaukee's average and certainly quite a bit lower than the 41.7 they've shot in the last three games. So I think this is a spot. I'm not saying Phoenix can totally shut them down. Phoenix hasn't been playing incredible defense as of late, but they have the potential to play great defense. And they certainly have limited teams more from three-point range than what uh, Milwaukee has seen lately.
Uh, this is the third time this season Phoenix will play their first game at home after at least four on the road. They won both of those games. Both of these were a little bit earlier in the season, but both were low scoring. 104-96, they beat Golden State, and then 113-103, they beat Indiana. So they won by eight, and then they won by 10. Very small sample size. We don't want to put too much emphasis on that, but just a note uh, situationally about this situation Phoenix is in today. Uh, in the last five at home, I was looking at the total here because it is high, understandably. These are both teams that can score a lot. Phoenix's totals in their last five home games, 232, 225, 258, 224, and 216. So only over this total in one of those five games. Obviously, some of the teams they're playing are not as good on offense as Milwaukee. Milwaukee, I, I wrote down their totals from the last nine, and they have four, four of their last nine are over 232 and a half. So five or under that. Man, it, it feels like these teams should be able to stay hot here. Last 15 games, Phoenix has an offensive rating of 121.3 at home and 120.3 on one day of rest. Just fire in this spot. Phoenix also has their best offensive rating against the Central Division at 118.3. Really, really good. So to me, everything here says... These two teams should be able to continue to score. I mean, let's say Milwaukee doesn't put up 130 points, but they put up 113, 115. Well, now you're getting into the realm where if Phoenix wins this game, they're probably going to put up enough points to cover this total. So I have not bet this yet, but I would say that I prefer the over here if I'm going to make a play on the total. And I think I'd stay away from the spread with how hot the Bucks have been, but how well Phoenix has played at home, I think I would just want to stay away from this one. One other thing to throw in is the over is 5-0 and in the last five meetings between these two teams in Phoenix. So if that's something you like, maybe it's one more thing uh, to move you in that direction. I actually, I, there, this is just something for me. I mean, I, I bet the over in that first Minnesota and Kings game, I should have done it in the second game too. I See, I thought maybe the under would hit there and I was really wrong about that. Once the totals get over 230, I just get hesitant. But I will say I don't see anything in the numbers or the way things are trending that says this game should go under for whatever that's worth. Doesn't mean I'll bet it, but that's what I see there. Last game of the day, we've got the Knicks going to the Warriors. Golden State minus nine and a half. Total of 218 and a half. This the day after the Warriors just played like absolute crap. On offense against Utah, I thought that game would go very differently than it went. I thought Golden State was going to continue to be able to play well offensively against a Utah team that doesn't have Rudy Gobert. That's not what happened there. <laughs> they played terrible on offense. So just one where I was very, very wrong. Uh, thankfully, there were some other ones where I was right. Um, in terms of this game with the Knicks, they they should have Klay Thompson back here. It's always worth watching if anyone else is going to sit out since it's a back-to-back -back for Golden State. If maybe Curry sits this one out as Clay comes back, that would definitely change things. I don't like Golden State as well with either of them sitting as I do with both of them in. Maybe, maybe obviously. <laughs> um, but if they're both playing, I, I do think Golden State is coming around. Um, we're going to get to some stats on Clay Thompson here in a little bit because I think it's important the way he's trending, but I have some other stuff here first. So the Knicks on one day of rest are 11 and 24 against the spread, which is the worst in the league. 
So they're already not good, and this is not a great spot. Warriors on back-to-backs, just average five and four against the spread, five, three, and one to the over. RJ Barrett is doubtful here. Uh, if he sits out, that's probably going to push more usage onto Julius Randle, but Barrett has been a bright spot for the Knicks here recently. So if he sits out, I definitely don't think that's a good thing for them, especially offensively. They can be very offensively challenged at times, and Barrett sitting out is going to make them even more offensively challenged. In fact, if he sits out, you might want to take a little look at the Knicks team total under. Uh, if he plays, I don't like it as much because they have scored okay in some of their games on the road recently. The Knicks have allowed 110 or more in five of their last six away games. We know this team is great defensively, but they're mostly great defensively at home. They are not really phenomenal defensively on the road, more just average. The Warriors have scored 110 or more in five of their last eight home games. That's not that great. It's only one over 50%. Um, but I do think they're trending in a positive direction. This is a team that if you look at them over the course of the whole season, and especially once they get Draymond back, but they're a good offensive team, uh, and they're a good defensive team. And there are some bumps along the road here, but uh, eventually I just expect them to keep trending positively in both of those categories. Golden State does have the highest percentage of any team in the league in terms of points they score from three-point range at 39.7. That translates to 43.8 points per game from three-point range. New York allows the fourth most points at 36.9% of the opposing team's points, which translates to 39.1 points per game. So what I would say there is this is a good spot for Golden State shooting the three. As long as they're not cold from distance, which actually is actually absolutely has happened to them plenty here recently, this should be a good spot for them to kind of go off offensively from behind the three-point line. In their last six games on the road, New York has a defensive rating of 116.4. That's not good. At home, it's 108.4. I was actually surprised at home that it was that high. I'd have to look into that further if they were playing at home, but they're not. In their last six games on one day of rest, the Knicks' offensive rating is 102.4. No wonder they're 11 and 24 against the spread on one day of rest. Their defensive rating, 114.9. You can just see where I'm going. Situationally, this should be a good spot for Golden State and a bad spot for the Knicks, assuming we get everybody playing on Golden State here. Uh, one of the other things that I would keep an eye on here in terms, if you do any quarter or half bets, the Knicks defensive rating in the first quarter in their last six on the road is 129.3, just absolutely atrocious. And, uh, the, the Warriors offensive rating in the first quarter recently at home, 124. So this, the first quarter looks like a really great spot for golden state with the numbers, the way they've been lately. Also, the Knicks' offensive rating in the third quarter is 95.3 in those last six on the road. So if the game's close in any way at halftime, you might want to look at Golden State at the half. One thing I did want to mention is I was looking at Clay in terms of his uh, offensive rating here and his game log. He started out really slow, 95.3, 84.7, 91.9, 84.1. Then he exploded with 135.5 dropped back down to 72.1. So at that point, it was sort of an anomaly. But that was the hinge if you look at uh, if you look back at these games. After that, he went to 135.5 and then uh, one, two, three, four, five out of the next six games have been 115.1 or higher. So he started out only having one game over 100. Since then, he did have one game under 100 at 98.3. 
But y'all, he had uh, I'm not from the South, but I said y'all anyway. He had a 180.6 thrown in here. So I'm just saying, I think Clay is trending positively offensively. Of course, he will have a down game here, here and there like everyone does. But it's just another thing that I would add to the case here, that if everyone plays, threes should be open. Knicks are bad away from home on defense. Probably can't score much either. I think this is a really great spot for the Warriors. So I have not bet the spread yet. Nine and a half is so wide, and the Knicks are okay sometimes. But I might go there. I mean, there there just aren't any numbers that keep me off of it here. The other thing that I would definitely be interested in is the Warriors team total over here. Um, I think it should just be a good spot for them offensively. And again, if Barrett sits, you maybe would want to look at the Knicks team total under. I don't think I would play that total as it stands. If I did, I would take the over um, because I think it's possible the Knicks could put up some points. But because of everything I just shared, I, I'm not confident they will. And so I think the total is one that I would probably stay away from. Well, I think I will stay away from personally, but that's the reason why. All right, that's the slate for today. Hopefully there's some helpful info in there for you. As always, uh, love the comments. Hey, and I got a shout out real quick. Uh, if you're listening to this, there's there's a number of people on Twitter who have been retweeting these almost every day. And I just want to let you guys know that I appreciate that a ton. Um, I really enjoy the relationships that I have with people on Twitter. If you've never reached out to me and would want to talk basketball or whatever, hit me up with a DM, comment, uh, whatever it is, because I enjoy that stuff a ton. And I'm really appreciative of those of you who are supportive by retweeting, rating, those different things. Just comment and 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 message me and have been encouraging and that kind of stuff. Uh, appreciate you a ton. So thanks to everybody who's doing that. Thanks to all of you who are listening. Hope it's a great day. Uh, hope we make some money and I'll see you on Twitter.